CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Three, two, one. A third generation farmer, Darren Bailey learned the values of hard work, honesty, and faith. Darren took those values to Springfield, stood up to the Madigan machine, fighting every single tax increase, sued Governor Pritzker, and won to keep Illinois open. Now Darren is running for governor with a plan to cut taxes, increase police funding, and prevent voter fraud. Darren Bailey, the only true conservative Republican for governor. Join our movement. That is correct. (laughs) Sorry, DB. That's not going to happen. You know Urban's got the money. It's over, DB. Just that's cool. Bow down to Kenny G. You could tell that voiceover guy was had some downstate too. He does that thing. Uh, Darren Bailey does it as well. Uh, a lot of downstaters, instead of conservative, they'll go conservative. Conservative, really? Conservative. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Conservative. I'd play it again, but good God, you got to wait like twenty eight <laughs> seconds to hear it again. So he says it at the very end. But uh, next time we play DB. that, next time we play that, pay attention. Conservative. Conservative. I'm going to start saying it. He's a conservative singer from Led Zeppelin, and his name is Robert Plant. That's, folks, a reference to a conversation Dr. D and I just had off mic. There you a lot go. of good stuff that happens talk, off mic. Yeah, talk about the conversation no one knows about. <laughs> Not the one we just talked about. That is correct. Uh, DB. <laughs> I think we're done. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday April 5th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J O R A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. That is correct. It is Tuesday, April 5th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. You wondering what happened in the last city council meeting? Yeah? Well, my God, you tuned in <laughs> to the right podcast. <laughs> Mr. City Council, Dave Kloatz is here. <laughs> What's that? You want to hear some random rambling about the Chicago Bulls and probably that Chris Rock, Will Smith thing again? Oh, my God, you tuned into the right podcast. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> or did you? <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. <laughs> uh, stop laughing. That was pretty funny. No, Chris Rock, Will Smith talk today. No, did enough of the last Come week. Come on, Sorry, Will. No. Why you slap me, Will? <laughs> anyway, no, Chris Rock, Will Smith talk. Instead, calling us get to the hideout Tuesday, and here's why. 
because we're doing a hideout show tonight. That's why. So get over there, ladies and gentlemen. I might do that. I might jump up on stage and smack Ben. Who knows? Don't, don't put that out, that vibe out there. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You know, it, it's crazy out there. It's crazy, uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, and uh, anyway, yeah, get to the hideout. Uh, we're going to have a great show tonight. Uh, my, my partner in crime and I will be uh, hosting the, the great, the legendary Dave McKinney and Elena Hampton. Elena uh, worked in the Madigan machine. And she broke from it. Uh, so she has a lot of insights. And Dave McKinney, of course, uh, ace reporter for WBEZ knows everything you need to know about the ComEd uh, scandal. So we'll be talking all kinds of Madigan. And Madigan's on my mind, D. You just played that commercial. Uh, DB, Darren Bailey's commercial, stood up to the Madigan machine. I just wrote an article about Richard Urban, and he's talking about Mike. I beat Mike Madigan. Mike Madigan was running against me. And this is what you got. This is what the Republicans got. Bruce Rauner and Kenny G spent millions and millions of dollars bad-mouthing Mad Dog. So everybody across the state is now brainwashed. You've been brainwashed, people. There's no more reason for you to dislike Madigan than any other politician. Yet you hate Madigan. You've been brainwashed. That's all I'm saying, folks. You know, I think people hate Madigan more than they hate Ed Burke. And 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 I find this interesting. They're two gen- uh, politicians of roughly the same generation. Follow me on this, folks. Follow me. They're both from the southwest side. Uh, Irish Americans and uh, property tax business made a fortune <laughs> with a property tax business. You know, one guy, Ed Burke, is synonymous with fighting Harold Washington, the first the uh, black elected mayor of the city of Chicago, just for no other reason than just fighting him. And Michael Madigan was kind of an accommodationist during those days, just didn't want to get involved. So for that reason alone, I would say you should dislike Burke more than Mad Dog, but no. See, Burke cultivated support with Republicans. They liked him. And so Republicans didn't put propaganda out about Ed Burke. You've been brainwashed, people. Anyway, we'll be talking Michael Joseph Madigan tonight. All things Michael Joseph Madigan at the hideout. The show starts at 630. I urge everybody to uh, check it out. And um, what else? Oh, I already sent this to D. Uh, yesterday I spent about... Um, I don't know, five times. I went to this YouTube uh, clip five times at least. Estelle Harris, the great Estelle Harris died. She was 93 years old, I want to say. And you're going, Ben, who's Estelle Harris? Is she a Chicago politician? No. I know about things other than Chicago politics. You're going, Ben, oh, is she a TIFF consultant? No, she's not a TIFF consultant. I know of things about other things than TIFF. Was she like, Ben, former owner of the Bulls or something? I was (laughs) Was she an assistant coach of the Chicago Bulls? No. I know about a few things other than the Chicago Bulls. Not much, but a few things. Estelle Harris, legendary uh, actress, played uh, George Costanza's mother in Seinfeld. Well, I'm not a huge uh, Seinfeld fan, uh, D. I know you like Seinfeld probably more than I do. But uh, it was it was I it was okay, and then I moved to the city, and then it like it was more relatable to me. You know what I mean? I had one of those buzzers at my door where people. Got it. Downstairs. You can understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of the Larry David show. Group your enthusiasm. Oh, without a uh, doubt. Yeah, I just love Larry David show. And uh, which, of course, Larry David created uh, Seinfeld as well. Oh, anyway. doorbell. Uh-oh, doorbell. Uh, <laughs> oh, I always 
love it when a guest shows up. Anyway, Estelle Harris died. And uh, the scene I was listening to over and over all, again is one I urge everybody. Uh, do you, are we going to play it? Sure. Are they, but they, let's just, you know, since just warming up for Mr. Bike, Dave Glow, as Mr. City Council, uh, where he tells uh, Dennis to play different clips. Dennis, play. Um, uh, I always say please. Uh, please. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you do. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> This guy's just okay, like, dude, go. play the damn thing, would you? Hey, hey, play it. Okay, play it, Sam. Play it. All right, cue the funky Seinfeld bass. I don't understand you. I really don't. You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? I go out for a quart of milk. I come home and find my son treating his body like it was an amusement park. <laughs> Ma. Don't give me ma. It's a good thing I didn't hit the table. I could have cracked my head open. People can hear you. Too bad you can't do that for a living. You'd be very successful at it. You could sell out Madison Square Garden. Thousands of people could watch you. You could be a big star. <laughs> All right, very good. And by the way, a terrible job by the host, me, setting it up. Oh, yeah. Big yeah time. What a terrible job I did. I can't. I want to blame that on Mr. Bike, but there's no way I can figure out how to blame him for that. And I can't blame it on Dr. D, so I just take the hit because it is my. So that, that scene follows. I just realized, Ben, you didn't set it up in any way. <laughs> No. Going, what the hell's that? And by the way, uh oh, ding dong. Lawyer just showed up. It's Larry David's lawyer. I'm suing you. <laughs> no, please, Larry David, don't sue us. Uh, anyway, that bit starts because um, George Costanza's mom came in on him while he was masturbating at three o'clock in the afternoon. She was so astounded to see her son masturbating that she fell over a table and hurt her back and ended up in the hospital. So in that scene, George is visiting her in the hospital. And it goes from there. This cousin Shelly comes in. Yeah, I've watched it. No, well, that's like the sixth time now. It's just so funny. It's still hilarious. You are so funny. And he goes, Ma! Ma! Still Harris kind of reminds me of the mom in Everybody Loves Raymond. Did oh, you notice? Yeah, kinda yeah. Reminds me of the mom in the. It's just, she's hilarious too, by the way. Uh, anyway, wanna, before we bring on uh, Mr. Bike, uh, Mr. City Council, and um, Dave Glowatz. I want to give a shout out to Michael Girardi, uh, dear friend of the show. He was on singing his latest song last week. But uh, in addition to that, uh, uh, Michael sent me a, just a very revealing bit from CNBC's Jim Cramer. And uh, so, uh, Michael Girardi, I want to thank you. And this bit uh, was taken from last a show last, fr I think it was Friday. It was after the news was announced that uh, one warehouse, one warehouse, that's it. In the entire Amazon empire, one warehouse in Staten Island uh, had voted to unionize. It was a big victory for the labor movement. Shout out to those workers. Uh, we were we talked about it on Friday. Uh, obviously, Jim Cramer has a different worldview than uh, I do. Uh, he was bemoaning the fact that this could be the death now unionization for American corporations that once corporations have to treat uh, their employees with respect and dignity, as opposed to treating them as just like what, like indentured servants, that would be it. They would never make any money anymore. I, I'm not kidding. D. He went on this thing where he was like, could you imagine Starbucks? Uh, who would work getting someone to work the hours that nobody wants to work? 
You couldn't do it if, unless you commanded them. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe pay them a little extra money to work the money. You know, you know, Dave, they say, hey, I'll give you a dollar extra an hour, two dollars or three, whatever. So bizarre. It's like world will end as we know it. If a boss doesn't have the ability to tell somebody to shut up and do that. Right. My mom would always tell me when I was a kid. Now share. Make sure to share. Yeah, <laughs> make it like billions that dollars. message didn't get through to Jim Cramer. <laughs> no. Oh, this is this is bad news. How could you make money if you can't just tell workers to do whatever they want? So anyway, uh, Michael Jordan, thank you very much uh, for sending it to me because <clears throat> I uh, am sometimes uh, very naive. And I think everybody uh, shares my worldview. What a joke that is. Uh, and so I thought everybody would be happy that Amazon workers at one warehouse in Staten Island voted to form a union. <laughs> it's it. One warehouse, D. And uh, Kramer's uh, worried about the destruction of capitalism as we know it. All right. I'll tell you one guy who is jubilant about the uh, Amazon workers uh, voting to, to unionize. The man they call Mr. City Council. Yeah, that's his new nickname on the show. Mr. City Council, Dave Glowatz, uh, once a month or so comes on uh, to discuss the latest city council meeting. Break it down. Give us bits and clips from the, the meeting so we can hear your we can hear our alderman in action. And Dave Glowatz, uh, first of all, welcome back to the show, Cotter. Thank you. I thought those workers were in a, in a jungle in Brazil. Um, a rainforest. It, uh, flew over my head. God. Hold on. Oh, yeah. I know what a rainforest is, but not quite getting the What's joke. the biggest rainforest in the world? Oh, the Amazon. Oh, <laughs> I'm the only. Oh, Trent Ford, what are you doing? It's hilarious. It went right over my head. Dave Glowatz. So that's subtle. that's that's what the Amazon has come to mean. Yes. Everyone. Very subtle. Very subtle, Dave Glowatz. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so we have a bunch of clips, and true to form, I've not heard any of them. So I am totally blind when it comes to what you are about to play. So Dave Glowatz, take it away, young man. Thanks. It's great to be here. And, you know, it's going to be all the same stuff as usual, right? Well, how's it going to be so different from anything in the past? I shouldn't be so skeptical. Yes, you shouldn't. Okay. No, there's some new and different stuff going on in the city council. It really is exciting. And today we'll talk about several Chicago city council meetings that took place in the month of March. The first a meeting of the full city council that happened on March 23 lasted five hours. Three hours of that consisted of members making speeches and comments in support of several resolutions honoring various people. So it wasn't until three and a half hours into the meeting that the council finally got down to hearing committee reports and taking votes. Dennis, please, will hear vote first. The very first vote came during a report of the council's finance committee. In the past, aldermen cast all their votes by voice, or I would like to say orally, which means that whenever a vote, uh, whenever something would come to a vote, the city clerk staffer would call the roll. In other words, name each alderman in order of ward, one to 50, and ask them to cast their vote either yay or nay or yes or no. And 
that first vote of the meeting would then be invoked whenever a measure came up for a vote subsequently. So if um, a subsequent measure came up, usually the uh, chairperson of the committee that is calling for something to be approved would say, I move that 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 measure be approved by the first vote we took. And if the, 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 the president of the chamber, who is usually the mayor, looks around and says, seeing a hearing, no objections, so ordered. Now, if a council member wants to change their vote from the first vote, they can wave their hand or shout out and say, I want to be recorded as a no, or they can call for a roll call, in which case there'll be another vote. What happened last month is the council approved electronic voting. So there's a new system where the the aldermen can now vote instead of shouting out, they have an electronic pad. So when we walked into the council chambers on March 23, we all saw at every alderman's position was a, like an iPad-like device and a sheet of instructions about how to vote. And when they all sat down and when the meeting started, they first all had to log in and show their attendance that they were present. And then we had the very first vote, which came during the report of the Finance Committee. And what we're going to hear now is a clip that starts with the Finance Committee Chair, Scott Wags. We'll also hear our speaking Let's listen. Item number one is the communication recommending a proposed ordinance concerning the authority to enter into and execute an intergovernmental agreement with the Chicago Housing Authority to reallocate a portion of the city's 2022 unused tax-exempt bond volume cap to facilitate financing of affordable housing at 3030 West 21st Place in the 24th Ward. This item received favorable approval by the committee, and if no one wishes to speak on the matter, I move to concur with the recommendation of the committee by a roll call vote. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to make history here. (laughs) Madam Clerk. Please get out your iPads, log in, and you will be able to begin voting Please hit refresh. If you do not see it, click, and you should be able to hit refresh, and the voting is now open. The right-hand corner, blue button, raise your hand if you need help. Raise your hand if you need help, and we will come around. Burnett's good. We need uh, Alderman Austin. Sir. It's everybody's tablet. Yours is left. Mine's to the right. Okay. Mine's on the right. Okay. Yours is on the left for refresh. Keep hitting refresh if you need to. Alderman King, please cast your vote. Alderman King, Alderman Harrison. Okay, Alderman King is good. Alderman Harrison, please cast your vote. Alderman Gardner, Alderman Lopez, please cast your vote. And make sure you hit cast your vote. Great. Alderman Lopez, did you hit cast your vote? There we go. Perfect. The voting is closed. Did you close the voting? We're closing the vote. All right. So the, am I ready? Am I good? Yeah. 48. All right. The yeas are 48. The nays are zero. With two members absent. The matter passes. Alderman Kappelman on the motion for reconsideration. I move to reconsider the vote. All those in favor of the motion for reconsideration signify by saying aye. 
Roll call. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, did somebody speak? <laughs> All those in favor of the motion for reconsideration signify by saying aye. All those opposed say nay. The motion for reconsideration fails. So you just heard the historic moment where the first vote was taken electronically. Although obviously aldermen were having lots of fun with that because there was a there was a bunch of uh, city clerk staffers in the room. There's like a half dozen of them. They were deployed and aldermen raised their hand if they were having trouble. So they were going around helping them. And the way that everyone in the room knew that the votes were cast successfully is that the the uh, facilities folks had put two giant view screens at the front of the room. Normally there's one giant view screen in the front that displays the uh, city hall camera shot of um, people speaking, but there were two additional ones on either side of that one that displayed the votes. So there's a little square for every one of the aldermen, one through 50. And then it was green if they voted yes and red if they voted no. So one could watch the votes popping up as it went on. So that's how everybody knew, like, well, which ones were there and which ones were, weren't. I love that bit. And I'll tell you why, on a personal level, uh, it just listening to the alderman struggle uh, with the uh, virtual apparatus and et cetera and so forth, it reminds me, and l- let me just say this, there's a lot of baby boomers uh, in the Chicago City Council. So it just reminds me of when baby boomers try to connect uh, <laughs> with my show virtually. And there's just that moment. And I say this, I'm a baby boomer, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not hating on baby boomers. I love baby boomers. I am one of you. But it is pretty funny watching you, that look in your face, baby boomers, that confused look. Uh-oh. <laughs> is the world as I know it going to end right now? And DJ Nate or Dennis are like just trying to lead them through. <laughs> anyway. Uh, wait, though. I'm a, it's on my right. It's my left. I don't know. Anyway, uh, by the way, everybody, it's, uh, I remember the good old days. Hey, Dave, I remember the good old days uh, when aldermen had a vote. And uh, it got very confusing. So a lot of aldermen would just, you know, uh, link their vote to however the first ward alderman guy voted. Because that's the first vote they would announce if they were in the old days when they would do the classic roll call. First ward, hi, folks. Nay. You know, and... Uh, so in the old so, days, so, that would be Fred. So Rody. it's even better now for those people who are waffling because they could just wait till the very end. Like if you're the second ward alderman, you don't have to like vote second. You could just kick back Absolutely. and watch the screen. And the say, pressure's hmm, off. Yeah. It's like, they, yeah, the pressure's off. And then for a while, so it was Fred Rody who was, uh, well, he went to prison on corruption charges. Uh, and he was one of the, the anti-Washington aldermen uh, back in the day. But then it was uh, Proko Joe. Uh, Dave Glowitz's favorite alderman, and um, whose claim to fame is that he's the only alderman ever elected to city council uh, who knows who Nirvana is. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out how you're going to vote by Proco Joe. You know what I'm saying? Well, how did Proco Joe vote? Because he was know. first word. First word, correct. So, and, uh, didn't, and somewhere in there between Rhodey and uh, Moreno, the boundaries changed, and there was a deliberate, if I'm not mistaken, see if you can verify this, Ben, a deliberate relabeling of the downtown ward from 1 to 42 
just to eliminate the stink of the first ward corruption after the the Rody conviction. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the stated reason for doing it. Oh God, I could go on and on about this, but yes, uh, the um, the downtown, the first ward uh, back in the old days was control was like the quote unquote mob ward, and uh, they it was um, just south of the loop and west, uh, and uh, they moved it uh, to the north side in the 2000 redistricting, and Manny Flores I think was the first alderman elected from it, uh, but. My point is that uh, I think they wanted to consolidate. I'm not sure that was that they were so worried about the stench of corruption as they wanted to put it in the hands of somebody they could depend on. And uh, Bertha Terrace was the man they th- they felt they could depend on, and he was a very dependable factotum. <laughs> Of the powers that be in, in corporate Chicago, in civic Chicago, in downtown Chicago, and he was As embodied by the mayor. Yes. Yes, and Mayor Daly, very close ally of Mayor Daly, and oh, always telling me how I got things wrong and didn't understand how things worked. And Ben, 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 you really don't understand. And a big believer in private property rights. Oh my God, how many times I heard a lecture from Bertha Terrace about private property? But yeah, yeah. So I always thought it was just more, you know, put the downtown in the hands of somebody that knew uh, knew enough never to break from the mayor on any issue. And then, sure enough, when they the uh, Bertha Terrace was defeated, uh, and uh, what year was that? I'm blanking. 2007. Uh, after that, the the 42nd Ward has pretty much stayed uh, uh, in. Uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's the, the downtown is pretty much lodged in the uh, 42nd Ward. But Brendan Riley is what I was going to get at. He did break for the mayor on. Uh, on the old issue of putting the children's museum in Grand Park. And I could not, would never imagine, uh, Dave, in a million years, Burton a terrorist going against Mayor Daly on that. So you see my point? It was like it made sense to consolidate uh, the downtown in a uh, ward in which the mayor would do, or excuse me, the autumn would do whatever the mayor wanted. Well, we'll talk more about Brandon Riley here in a minute. Uh, Dennis, please, we'll do select next. Well, all right. So that was the. I did say. I did say at the beginning there was some excitement in this uh, in this meeting. Not everything is the same. I was. Uh, I was not right about that. So during this meeting, the March twenty three meeting, after all the committee reports, near the end of each meeting is a section called miscellaneous business, and there's usually nothing in that section. This time there was a resolution, record R2022-324, calling for a formation of a special committee. And I'll read what it shall have. It says, according to the resolution, shall have jurisdiction over all matters within the city council, within the city, I'm sorry, related to establishment of a casino, including but not limited to Zoning, land use, building code, real estate, contracting, licensing, permitting, gambling, public health, pedestrian and traffic safety, public safety, security, environmental issues, city services, transportation, public way, financial and budget considerations, tax incentives, special events, and airport matters related to the establishment of the casino. Members of the committee would be chairman and vice chairman of each standing committee, plus the president pro tem, who is the aforementioned Brendan Riley. The nominal sponsor of this resolution was Rules Committee Chair Michelle Harris. 
But Mayor Lori Lightfoot later admitted it came from her. Now we're going to hear Alderman's reactions. And this clip starts with Alderman Harris. Let's listen. I've submitted to the clerk a resolution which creates a special committee on the Chicago Casino and establishes membership. Rule 41 of our rules allows for the immediate consideration of this item. The special committee will consider matters within the jurisdiction of the city related to the establishment of a casino. I've moved passage of this item by the first most favorable roll call vote of the Committee on Finance. There are no objections, so ordered. Alderman Sicho Lopez. Can we have a roll call? Are you asking for a roll call, sir? Yes, ma'am. A roll call vote has been asked. Alderman Moore. The committee is made up of the chairs and vice chairs, is that correct? That is correct, sir. But I would also add that I believe it's anticipated that all members of the body, like with the budget committee, will be able to participate in the proceedings of the committee. Alderman Beal. I'm taken aback on the fact that we are creating a new committee to provide the same functions that this body does every single day. I believe that this body has all the committees necessary to provide the same functions that this committee is being created to do. And we all know that we want to create a committee with the chairs and the vice chairs because we know that that's the point of least resistance. We understand that. But that is not what this body is designed to do. This body is still the checks and balances of this city. And so, Madam Chairman, with that, I would like to offer up a substitute to this ordinance to include every member of this body instead of the select chosen few that is presented in the original proposal. Alderman Beale, there's a pending roll call vote on the table. We're going to vote on the original resolution, and then we will get to your matter. Alderman Sicho Lopez. The 25th Ward, in particular, will be directly affected. And leaving our constituents without a voice in this committee, I find it problematic and undemocratic. This is indeed a citywide decision, but it's a decision that will have direct impact for a few of the wards, and all the persons representing these wards need to have a voice, need to represent their constituents. I do think that we need to have every single member in this committee, so I will pull out my motion for a roll call as we consider Alderman Beale's motion to have every single member in this committee. Alderman King. As uh, somebody who had three out of the five casinos scheduled to be in their ward, I certainly understand having a voice. I said this to the staff. I said it in meetings, and I'll say it here. I do believe that at least the aldermen who are impacted in the communities around them need to be on this committee. Alderman Garza. I believe I heard Chairman Harris say that everyone is invited to attend these. Alderman Ramirez Rosef. Do we want to be a council that is deliberative, that is democratic, that is transparent, that seeks to better the way that we do government so that we are good government? Or do we want to do things rushed? Do we want to do things that leave folks out of the process? I think many of us here were elected on a commitment to bring in good government. Our president ran on a commitment to bring in the light. But when I look at this rush resolution that was sent last night, with individuals who are listed as being members of this committee and this resolution having told me that they actually don't even want to be on this committee. When I look at folks who this could be in their ward and they have said that they would like to be on this committee because this would impact their ward, I think that we've got to rethink the way that this is being done right now. This is not bringing in the light. This is not transparency. I think that the substitute that has been brought forward is fair. I wish that as a body we would consider that. Alderman Hairston. 
Anybody that knows what their job is know that you don't have to be a member of the committee in order to participate in committee hearings. Know what your job is. To some of you new ones, if you're not on a committee, you should be going to some of those committees. That's how you learn. Of all these people who want to take their names off the list and don't want to participate, that is your choice. This is not difficult. I don't know what kind of point they're trying to make, but the point is not correct, and it's dishonest. And if we want to talk about change and bringing in the light, then turn on the lights in your own office. Thank you. <laughs> Alderman Hand, speaking to folks here on the floor, there are some people who want to be on the committee, and there are some folks who don't want to be on the committee. And to my colleagues, respectfully, if this was potentially in your ward, you would want to be on the committee or have the opportunity to submit your name. Knowing that some of our colleagues want to be on the committee, might we perhaps just take a break and see if those people can be added so that we can move on to get this committee created? Chairman Tunney. The way that I've run my zoning committee is in deference to the interests of the local older persons. And I definitely plan to be running this committee in a fair, democratic way. And um, Tony said that at the end because he is slated to be the chair of this uh, committee. There were more comments by Alderman than what we just heard, plus comments at the end by Mayor Lightfoot. And listeners can hear more of that in the extended version of this interview found at the Inside Chicago Government website, shygov.com. And Ben, I just want to clarify two things we heard. Um, Alderman Ramirez Rosa said our president pledged to bring in the light and he meant the mayor. In this context, the president means the presiding officer of the city council. So what do you think? Well, uh, the final vote was, I'm doing this off the top of my head, like 35 to 12 or something like that. Wasn't that the final vote? It was overwhelmingly approved. Yes. Uh, good, very good. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this. We had fun with this about a week ago. And um, so, yeah, uh, the situation is this. Uh, if you put all the matters that need to be approved uh, into one committee, it makes it easier to approve them. On the other hand, uh, even if they were divided into separate committees, so I could see it one divided into finance and housing and zoning, just those three off the top, they're all going to get approved anyway <laughs> because uh, basically the uh, chairs are controlled or allies, I should say, of the mayor in this bizarre s uh, system of democracy we have in the city of Chicago where the executive appoints the legislative chairs. And uh, so... You know, Dave, I had a laugh. I mean, the reality is that uh, we're embarking on this casino adventure. Uh, and I personally I think it's a misguided adventure. Uh, and uh, what the what the mayor wants and the powers that be in Chicago wants is as little democracy as we can possibly have, as little transparency as possibly have as little debate as we can possibly have and this is you not not a unique situation with this mayor mayor rob felt the same way and mayor daly baby daly and of course daddy daly felt the same way as well and i remember when they approved you and i were to took the deep dive in this one when they approved the initial funding for what was going to be uh strictly the depaul basketball arena and then it ended up funding navy pier and the depaul basketball arena which is now wind trust was built with state money 
But they, it was done on a uh, voice vote. You remember that? Uh, yep. uh, it was by the housing committee. People didn't even know what they were voting on. Uh, I remember Fioretti was the one who figured out Bob Fioretti, who's no longer the alderman. Uh, they remapped him out of existence because he was not reliable anymore, as we were talking about earlier with Burton Terrace and downtown development. So, uh, so it's really it's just pretty much a similar pattern in Chicago uh, when it comes to downtown, big downtown developments, the corporate community and the mayor. They want this done as fast uh, as they can possibly have it done. The approval of the casino. They want as little uh, oversight as possible. Uh, the mayor wants to cut the deals with the developers who want to build the casino as quickly as possible. And they do not want oversight. They do not want nettlesome questions from uh, aldermen who are on a board like Carlos Ramirez Rosa or Anthony Beal or Raymond Lopez. They don't want those aldermen uh, raising too much of a fuss and a ruckus. So that's that's what's happening here. And Carlos is absolutely correct when he teases the mayor about bringing the light because the city of Chicago supposedly elected Lori Lightfoot because they wanted a break from the past. They wanted a break from the days of Richard M. Daly and Rahm Emanuel and Ed Burke just flying everything through, through the city council. But... We're right back where we were. And you know what? It all comes kind of ties together what I was saying a little earlier about Jim Cramer uh, and uh, the reporter, which not even a reporter, TV personality uh, who reacted so harshly to news that uh, warehouse workers in Staten Island have voted to organize. It's this notion that so many people have, like Cramer and in the city of Chicago, that if Corporate titans aren't allowed just unlimited freedom to do whatever they want. It'll be chaos. And she would just turn things over to the powers that be and let them decide with as little democracy as we possibly can have, because that'll just delay what is good for us all. If it's good for them, it's good for us all. And I well, if, personally if you, don't if you want democracy, it's good for us all. Go ahead. If, if you want democracy, I mean, if you really believe in democracy, then you must believe that there has to be a check on corporate power. Otherwise, what do you want? That you want just simply having uh, a corporate state. Uh, if people really want that, then why should they even bother with, you know, a republic, a republic right? elected government? And I, I want to... Uh, on the one hand, while it's it might be uh, obvious to skeptics such as yourself and others that um, for this committee to be um, populated by the chairs and vice chairs of existing committees, standing committees, means that they'll all be mayoral allies and therefore sort of a rubber stamp. The um, the narrative that the um, the different functions, and I think you, you talked about this, that the different functions that, you know, I, I named city services, public health, permitting, zoning, land use, contracting, licensing, financial and budget considerations, tax incentives. Well, today, when there are other massive developments like, say, Lincoln Yards on the north side, that's all. That's that is handled via an entity called a planned development, a PD, and planned developments generally just go through the zoning committee. You know, it's not as if they have to go through all these other committees. There already is, I think, a mechanism. There's already a protocol for these massive developments that include a whole bunch of these elements. Like a lot of them include 
you know, for example, affordable housing requirements, it just goes to the zoning committee and they deal with it. You know, so, you know, it's kind of a, a red herring, I think. It is. Also, yeah, also, yeah. I want to point out that Alderman Hairston, she got pretty righteous, it sounded like to me, where she was castigating her colleagues saying, well, I heard Alderman Harris say that you all can participate. Well, participate is not the same as vote. Yes. So, yes, anybody can participate in any committee, but that doesn't mean that they have any power over whether that committee approves something. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately... Uh, it'll come to the full city council for approval. So ultimately, Allerman all, all will uh, get to vote. Uh, and the reality, and this is the voice of a skeptic, is this will pass. We, they've already dedicated the money they haven't raised from the casino to pay for firefighter and police pensions. And of course, it'll be inadequate. You know that, Chicago. So it'll just help, what, cut the total bill. Uh, so obviously it has to pass. Could you imagine being the no vote on a casino? They'll all be young. It'd be like the no vote on the Olympics. Remember uh, Scott Wagsback, who's now ironically is the finance chair, uh, telling the story at the hideout about how Richard Mel told him <laughs> that if he voted no on the Olympics, they would kill you. They will kill you. <laughs> uh, that's quite a statement from Richard. Now, Richard Mel is known for hype, but that's quite a statement. And so, you know, as well as I do, Dave, that the casino will pass because uh, so much is invested in, uh, in that operation in the, in the city of Chicago. You know, I took some Latin in uh, high school, fate accompli, or is that French? Uh, no, I think that may be Latin. Uh, <laughs> it was high school. So uh, I, don't I love it when you speak French. I know it's Russian. That was the line. Uh, but um, so anyway, yeah. But it, it's so it, it, I really don't know what's accomplished on uh, by the mayor consolidating all these functions into one committee because it would all get approved in all the separate committees anyway. And you're right. Uh, you could do a plan development. Now, the TIF funding, and there will be TIF funding, folks. Oops, uh, he's going out on a limb here with this yeah. prediction. Let's make a note. The time there of day. will be TIF funding. That will be separate. And what Which I, is so, more likely, TIF funding for the Bears Stadium in Arlington Heights or TIF funding for the casino or the oh, equally? Equal. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. That was hilarious. I mean, at a tangent here, yesterday's Tribune <laughs> – Yesterday's tribute had an article where the mayor of Arlington Heights said, uh, well, you don't want to commit, but I think we'll look into the possibility of local funding for the bear. Oh, you think? <laughs> Arlington Heights people, I, come on, just a, a side. You guys got to be a little more sophisticated than the rubes in Chicago. You have to be. Well, they don't even know who they don't even know who the dailies are. So what the hell? Yeah, that's true. They don't know. <laughs> I uh, grew up in the suburbs. I never heard. So of ben, ben, there's more on this. Oh, you know, this okay. is, yeah, oh. Dennis, please, we'll do quick next. Quick. There's more debate. We just heard Alderman speaking about the composition of yeah. the super committee, the special committee. But they also had things to say about how this resolution came before them. This next clip starts with Fifth Ward Alderman Leslie Hairston. Let's listen. Chair, I think there's a little bit of clarification. I think that the original resolution that was submitted by Chairman Michelle Harris was removed for our desk and was replaced with another one. So whereas the chairman of committee should be Alderman Tom Tunney and Jason Irvin, it was replaced with another one that said should be members of the city council. So can we get clarification and for members that don't have the copy from Chairman Harris? 
Chairman Harris, do you want to clarify that? Yes, we can go ahead with the roll call, but um, if we ask someone to come back, because they were all, the copies of my resolution were placed on everyone's desk somehow, some of them. No, yours this, is wrong. No, hers has her name no. on it, so they came by Where's and took the one with her name yeah. off and submitted. I, I have you, I have you, I'll get you. Well, whoever, whoever did it. Okay, we are voting on the one that says, for clarification, it just says regular resolution. And so that's what we're doing, a roll call vote on, Madam President. Not the one that says substitute. Alderman Vasquez. I think this highlights why some of us want our own parliamentarian, because we see the confusion all the time. This kind of rushed through, and I didn't find out I was on the committee until yesterday. One question I have is, post the dissolution of this committee, what happens to anything else that's casino-related that needs to come before the council? I think there's a lot of questions, so right now I would be more inclined to have the body of the whole be the one that makes a decision. Zolderman Lopez. This is the packet that was on all our desks. The resolution from today was never included in what we are discussing right now. It wasn't stolen. It wasn't taken. It was never given. This is the one that was published online on the city clerks. One page, one line, a resolution creating special city council committee on Chicago Casino and establishing its membership. Nothing to the text of what we're discussing. That is all the members have been given. We got an email last night at about 7.30 p.m., which many of you, by the sounds of it, didn't get. That is why there's such an uproar over what we're doing. Alderman Beal has made a motion to amend the mystery resolution to incorporate every member in this body so that we don't wind up with parking meters 2.0 in the form of a casino. This is about transparency. And when you can't even provide members with the actual documentation, the ones playing games aren't us standing up at the moment. And I would say, Madam President, that we can amend this. We can accept the motion to amend it because that is well within our rules to amend, as we've done countless times on the floor even, to address matters of substance. Alderman Ramirez-Rosa. This casino issue has been before this administration for a very long time. There's no reason why months ago the administration couldn't have convened a group of briefings to say, hey, we're thinking about doing a special committee. What do you all think? Who do you think should be on it? Who's interested in being on it? They chose not to. And then last night, we get emailed this resolution, a resolution which was not even included in our packets, and we're told now you've got to do an up or down vote. Chairman Tunney. We've been waiting, some of us have been waiting for 30 years for a casino revenue source to help our pensions. We have to move forward in an expeditious manner. And with that, I would ask that we lay that motion on the table for the substitute resolution. We have a pending roll call vote on the original resolution. Chairman Harris has a point of clarification. I renew my motion for us to have a roll call vote on this item, the resolution. May I offer a point of clarification before the members vote? As Chairman Tunney just said, it's been 30 years of futility, folks, before we've had the opportunity to get a casino. (laughs) Alderman Lopez. I have a point of order regarding the motion to accept the substitute. A call for a roll call does not supersede a motion to accept the substitute. So we can, in fact, address that motion first before going to a roll call vote. There's a motion to lay the substitute on the table, and I believe that does supersede the motion. The substitute ordinance on the table, we will have a roll call vote on that. Voting yes is to lay the substitute on the table. Voting no is to proceed with the substitute. 
So then they went to vote on that motion to lay on the table, and it passed 28 to 19. So Alderman Beal's proposed substitute failed. It was laid on the table, as they say. And then, as we said earlier, earlier then there was a vote on the casino committee, which passed 35 to 12. So the uh, seven people switched their vote. Correct. Uh, having, uh, they said, ah, we lost. That's interesting. That's uh you know, it's interesting how, how they like vote the first way and then they switch their vote. To, uh, well, it's going to win anyway, so I'll vote with it. Maybe they want to claim they were for the they were against the casino before they were for it. Who knows? But 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 a vote a vote to uh, against laying the substitute ordinance on the table did not mean that that would, that ordinance would be passed. There would then be have to be a subsequent vote a vote subsequent to that on that substitute. So with those those seven were just saying. Yeah, let's have let's have a discussion about that. I see. Mind uh, you, this was three and a half, you know, plus hours into yeah. the meeting after they did all this other stuff, you know. And and there's always a possibility they misvoted. And I say this is a guy with dyslexia because when you do these uh, bits where they, they they start debating what they're voting about, and and then the mayor always has that moment where she explains. Explains what the vote is. I have flashbacks to like uh, algebra and geometry in high school where I'm really confused and I don't know what I'm doing. And help, get me out of this class. Yeah, and there's no take backs. You know, um, there are no take backs. But the uh, the bottom line, and I and I, wow, the the bit where Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot and uh, Alderman Tom Tunney talk about thirty years of futility. We waited for a casino, folks. Why do we even want a casino? I'm just throwing that out there, okay? This notion that we need a casino to pay our pension obligations. If we had some kind of fair, logical, systematic form of progressive taxation, maybe we wouldn't have to depend on shaking down suckers and saps and soaking them. Yeah, it's oh. uh, it's part of the uh, the narrative here. It's it's just a given, right? That, it, um... Exactly. That's my point. It's absolutely the. The one substantive issue at hand on the table in terms of long-term financial needs of the city of Chicago, is it wise to depend on soaking people who can at least afford to pay it so that we can raise the money to pay our obligations? Is that a sane, practical way of financing government? I would say no. That conversation will not be had. Uh, Dave, they'll talk about things like how big is the casino? Is the shadow of of the casino going to be on some condo owners' tomato plants? And then they'll, like, adjust the shadow so the shadow's not on the tomato plants. And then I could just hear Tony saying, we worked and compromised. What a city! Yeah, the train—the train has left the station and yes. it's on the way to the gambling den. But you know, I got to say this: Byron Lopez, who you uh, played uh, earlier, the leading candidate, in my humble opinion, uh, if for to win the casino is the seventy-eight, which is in his ward at the moment. And he, of course, a Democratic Socialist. He was on the show last week, and he was saying that he was against uh, the casino. Uh, so my guess is, again, back to the original thing, we're talking about Brendan Riley in the 42nd Ward. They will move the, that portion uh, of his ward out of his, get it away from the hippie radical guy, put it into someone you can depend on, and uh, we'll get our casino. We get to start uh, soaking suckers and saps, just like they do in Hammond, Indiana. How about Byron Sixer Lopez, not on the committee. Uh, just just one bit of just to make that clear. One bit of uh, city council rules (laughs) trivia here. 
the mechanism, the the thing that allowed this to happen, like we heard the aldermen say that they got notice of this lad the night before. Yeah. And this is a sort of an arcane part of the city council rules in the in the very interesting rule 41. That's kind of like the uh, the one size fits all rule. And it says that generally all ordinances and resolutions like this one or other propositions shall be I'm reading here from the uh, rule shall be referred without debate to the appropriate committees and only acted upon the city council at a subsequent meeting on the report of the committee having the having the charge. Provided, however, that the following shall not be subject to this rule. And there list, there's a list, and on that list is resolutions determining the membership of council committees. So there's an exception for this kind of thing. So that means that they didn't have to go through the regular process of having proposed, then being approved in a committee, and then going to a council vote. So yeah. it got, that's how it got slipped in. I see. All right. Well, there's every system has its system, and that's the system at play. Yeah, that is. Well, let's move on then. Dennis, please, we're going to do 11 next. Before the full uh, full council meeting on March 23, some expected Mayor Lightfoot to have named her nominee for the 11th Ward Alderman, which, as you know, Ben, was vacated after Alderman Patrick Thompson was convicted of income tax fraud. But the mayor didn't do that. However, the next day after that council meeting, March 24, she named Chinatown resident Nicole Lee as her candidate for the alderman. The administration called for a special city council meeting to confirm Ms. Lee's nomination, which took place on March 28. We're going to hear how that went down. But first, I'll say that Ms. Lee's father, Gene Lee, served as deputy chief of staff for former mayor Richard M. Daly. In 2014, Jean Lee was convicted of stealing more than $90,000 from a Chinatown charity. This clip starts with a piece from the March 28th meeting's public comment period, featuring comment by frequent city council commenter George Blakemore. Let's listen. In the newspaper, it said that our father was a part of the machine and that he was convicted of theft. You know, I come from down south. And they used to ask her, little boy, who's your mama? Little girl, who's your daddy? They are saying that the apple do not fall too far from the tree. What is this all about down here? Who controls the zoo? The zookeeper are the animals. Something is inherently wrong here. Something stinks here. Something is not good here. So I urge you postpone this appointment until the people would know more about her background, until the people in that area would have an input. We will begin with a committee report from the Committee on Committees and Rules, Chairman Harris. The committee recommends the passage of the following item. The appointment of Nicole T. Lee as the 11th Ward Alderman. The body has agreed that since we all spoke, anyone who was not here for rules would be allowed to speak if they so wished, but we all have spoken earlier and we'd like to make those records part of the public record, but to include anybody who was not at rules committee to have the chance to speak. Are there any members who are not part of the rules committee process who would like to speak to this motion? Scanning the room. Seeing no hands raised, I will take it back to you then, Chairman Harris. 
I move passage of this appointment by a roll call vote. Madam Clerk, please proceed with a roll call vote. We'll do our e-voting. The voting will be open. I believe that we've been voting, or you've been voting as we've been speaking. Madam Clerk? Alderman Burke, you want to tally your vote? Oh, we got it. Okay, we're good. Yes, we have everyone. I'm closing the vote now. (laughs) This is a nail-biter. The votes are 45, yeas, and the nays are zero. Welcome to the City Council. So that was pretty much all they did at that meeting. And uh, I want to say that even though it wasn't in that clip, after the mayor said, looked around and said no one wanted to speak, then a couple, one, somebody stood up, and then another person, and then another person. And so there actually was a bunch of speechifying, uh, welcoming Ms. Lee to the city council prior to the vote. Yes, welcome to the city council, uh, Alderwoman Lee. And uh, Dave, curious uh uh, oversight when you were announcing the name when you're mentioning the name of her predecessor who had her step down you said patrick thompson you've left out a part of patrick's name i'm from arlington heights what can i say <laughs> he's from arlington heights. ladies and gentlemen he didn't know he never heard of the dailies that of course is an allusion to the 30 year old a juror from the suburbs who claimed that uh, in the Patrick Daly thompson trial who said she didn't know of the dailies until she sat on the trial i uh, was baffled by that and my listeners chastised me uh for being uh, unfair to young people and they should not know they should not be expected to know anything that happened before they were born and then i pointed out well she was already born and alive when the dailies were ruling and then i was said that's unfair to people who live in the suburbs they should not be required to know anything about the biggest city that just sits right next to him. And Ben, do you know who any suburban mayors are? At which point I said, yes, in Evanston, it's Dan Biss. <laughs> Everybody knows that one. But since you brought up, since you brought up Alderman Thompson, who was yes. con- convicted of theft, I have a question for you. And I'm wondering, and I, other people have, have wondered this, mm-hmm. should the press and members of the public have been allowed to question Ms. Lee before her confirmation about concerns that members of the public might have about her father's influence, given that you know he he was convicted and he was a member of the um, of the Daily Administration. Should have should the public have had that opportunity? Well, the press. You mean before she was confirmed? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, the, I mean. Presumably her name was on a list. Of, uh, but the, the answer is obviously yes. It's a, it, I think it's a relevant question, and I don't think um, it's in, I know that um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, some of her allies uh, were saying how unfair it is uh, to hold her accountable for the uh, sins of her father. And, yes, I'm, I'm not saying that. Uh, she should be held responsible for the sins of her father. And I don't agree with George Blakemore that just because the father did something corrupt means that the daughter will do something corrupt. I think that's a stretch. Uh, and, um, but it is a very relevant and legitimate question that should have been asked. Uh, and there's also a relevant issue about just the, the control of the dailies. So look, again, this seems to be the theme of the show. The notion of you don't put people in power, like we talked about the uh, with downtown, you don't put uh, people in, in charge unless you have a sense 
of how they will behave or how they will act or how independent they will be. That is just not a Chicago tradition. You want to, you have an expectations that people will be your allies and do as they are told, particularly when it comes to development. Uh, and the 11th ward is uh, sitting on some very valuable land or will when that will one way or another, when the um, uh, wards are redistricted. So uh, Dave, your point, uh, the, the, the notion that they would allow anybody who was completely free and independent of what? Of the mayors? Yeah, it's just preposterous for Chicago. It's not going to happen. Every single appointment that the mayor has is carefully screened to make sure that that person will do as told. I can't Deborah, think. Deborah Whitsburg? The one exemption. The one, uh, the one example to the contrary. Let's, let's uh, tell our listeners Inspector what's going on General. there is that the, yeah, the mayor just announced her appointment, her proposed appointment to the head of the Office of Inspector General, Deborah Witzberg, who was uh, the Deputy Inspector General for Public Safety and resigned late last year so she could be in the running for the appointment without any uh, appearance of impropriety. And she was selected. Yes. And so that was very good. <laughs> Damn, that was good. You know, I should have said almost everyone, but uh, uh, but you're absolutely correct. And you know, it's funny, David. There was uh, like I was surprised. Just for the record, I was completely surprised. Well, we were a year away from an election, and um, so that's the skeptic. Yeah, that's (laughs) yeah. You know, we're a year away from the election, Uh, and uh, this if. So, just so folks know, we Can't even, you give the mayor credit for doing the right thing? Yeah. Oh, she did the right. Okay, so this gets to the issue, which I love discussing. Mayors, even Mayor Rahm, occasionally did the right thing. So then you ask, for what reason? Yeah, and then and then and then this is the debate. Does it matter? What and the I'm motivation like, was? Yeah, what the motivation is. So I don't. Listen, if um, as long as the soup tastes good, you don't care what's in it. Yeah, well, that's not quite the same. (laughs) Uh, But if Wittsburg is best suited for this job and we had how many? I kind of think of the alderman who came on the show and uh, sang her praise. Uh, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez Sanchez came on and testified, sang her praise. Uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza was on the show and sang her praise. Byron Cecil Lopez. Uh, So. A couple of kisses of death there. Yeah. yeah, I know, usually. So if she's the best person for the job, then why do I care if Mayor Lori Lightfoot appointed her because she wants political to- expedience? Yeah, yeah. I just, what do I care? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so, uh, but the other question I raise is why is it that when government does the right thing, they or when a leader does the right thing, they always do it for the wrong reason? That's another issue. Uh, but who cares if she's the best and she's the best. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, I must amend my statement that there was one appointment that the mayor made. So congratulations, Lori Lightfoot. You forced me to amend my statement. Not absolutely every single person has been uh, carefully selected based on their obedience. I sit corrected. And for all we know, that just happened again with uh, Alderman Lee. So another person like uh Attorney uh, Inspector General Whitsburg, for yes. all we know. And uh, she may turn into be one of the greatest alderman women uh, in the history of the city of Chicago. So I wish her the best of luck. And I do not agree with George Blakemore's sweeping statement. Uh, and do you, by the way, 
Thanks. Agree with Blake Moore that, oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, love asking Dave for his opinion. Watch this. Watch the evasion that will now take place. Dave, do you agree with uh, George Blakemore uh, when he says uh, that because the father was corrupt, the daughter will be corrupt as well? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Dave, go ahead. Take it away. I agree that George Blakemore believes that his father said the apple does not fall far from the tree. He's brilliant, ladies and gentlemen. He's absolutely, by the way, he's the biggest hippie radical you ever saw, Dave Glowatz. All right, Dave. You notice how long my hair is getting. Dennis, please, we're going to do office next. Okay, this last bit is something we've talked about before, but it keeps coming back. It just keeps, it's the gift that keeps giving. And we're talking about the effort by Ninth Ward Alderman Anthony Beal to pass an ordinance, record 02021-2901, establishing, establishing a legal office and parliamentarian for the city council. He started that effort in June of 2021. Since then, other aldermen have used parliamentary maneuvers to keep Beal's ordinance from getting a committee hearing. And at the January City Council meeting, we learned that 42nd Ward Alderman Brendan Riley had created his own version, records 02022-420. Well, at the regularly, regularly scheduled March meeting of the City Council's Budget Committee on March 16, Beale's ordinance finally appeared on the agenda. We're going to hear what happened. Starts with Budget Committee Chair Pat Dowell. Let's listen. We will be holding this in committee today uh, for a number of reasons. One, I know that people have not had an opportunity to really uh, delve into the substitute, which we received late yesterday afternoon after working hours, actually. And there are a lot of substantive issues in the substitute, really different from the original. In addition, the changing of rules within the substitute ordinance should actually be considered by the Rules Committee. There are also issues with funding of the two positions with the Law Department and the Budget Office have not reviewed any of this. Alderman Irvin. I thought that there were two ordinances on this subject. I thought there were some briefings scheduled next week for this. Is that correct? Yes, there is another ordinance submitted by Alderman Riley. I don't know if he wants to speak to the briefings. Alderman Riley. We've reached out to host briefings on Friday to bring folks in and walk them through the draft of the ordinance that I submitted to the Rules Committee The purpose was not just to explain what it would do, but also to get some feedback and suggestions on how to make it better. And since we circulated the ordinance since last council, a number of our colleagues have had some really great ideas that we'd want to address with a substitute. But I think that Alderman Beal and I have the same goal here, which is to provide the city council with much greater resource to make us a better informed body when we're interacting with the executive branch. Alderman Irvin, does that answer your question? It does. One thing I think we may need to have is a comparison on the two ordinances, what is included in the original ordinance or the substitute ordinance that Alderman Builders provided, as well as the ordinance that Alderman Riley has. So we understand the different points between the two. Alderman Beal. I would like to ask the committee to accept my substitute into committee. This is Tony. I'll make a motion to accept the substitute in the committee. Substitute is accepted. As you all know, I have been working on this for probably eight to 10 months, and I'm extremely disturbed that we're going to hold this without having discussion about what this ordinance does. I think my ordinance is a great piece of legislation that is trying to be derailed. 
This is basically copied out of what they do in Congress. I sent the ordinance out and, you know, it's not unusual for this body to accept substitutes. We've gotten substitutes at the last minute that was brought to the floor and we voted for and moved on. And I don't see why this couldn't be any different. Let's have a full-blown hearing so we can ask questions and get answers to those questions about what this ordinance does and what it can do. I had intended to hear your ordinance today, which is why it was on the agenda. And I called you probably a few weeks back to let you know that this would be on the agenda. The fact that the ordinance has changed substantially and was received after working hours, I haven't had a chance to really review it. Alderman King? Alderman Bill, as well as Alderman Riley's, is it possible for them to do a briefing together and to figure out where their ordinances differ? Alderman Riley, Alderman Beal. We have briefings scheduled on the ordinance that I've submitted this Friday. Happy to pair a side-by-side comparison of the two. It'll be straight-up objective. It won't be editorial. And people can take a look. And maybe it turns into an exercise where during the briefing, as people are looking at the side-by-side, they like some pieces of Alderman Beale's proposal and other pieces of the one that we've put forth. And the ultimate product is a combination of the two. Alderman Lopez. It's somewhat hypocritical for members to say that we haven't had a chance to read line by line a substitute when then just yesterday, a different committee accepted 26 minutes before committees were to start a substitute to a substitute, which nobody had seen. And everyone was okay with it, many of whom are on this call today. The ordinance yesterday had no budget implications, nor did it have implications for changing our rules as a city council. There's a lot to say about this. So wow. I'll, just, I'll just say one thing right off the bat. <laughs> if I were um, counseling Alderman Beal, I would have said, you know, it's probably not a good, good idea to send the substitute ordinance in the night before the committee meeting. Yeah. You know, given how many roadblocks his ordinance has gotten, just in a, in a couple, one or two of them because – it was alleged that he had submitted things not within the required, you know, in, in other formats, 48 hours ahead of time. So that seems like that was a technical error. And there was, you know, looking at his original answer substitute, there was a significant difference in that the original ordinance called for this new Office of Legislative Council to advise the city council to be a contracted function, where in his new substitute ordinance, it was creating actually employee positions at the city. So that's pretty different. Yeah. And I, I just want to say uh, I had a smile uh, when I heard the objections uh, raised by Ray Lowe, because I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Raymond Lopez, the alderman of the 15th ward. But why would you take the chance? You know, that's my, that's my. Okay. Question. So the point I was going to make is that um, uh, when you are not the ruler, you have to play by the rules. Uh, so when you're the ruler, like the mayor or a mayoral ally, you kind of make up rules as you go along because you have the votes to approve those made up rules. But when you're proposing something from the outside, as Anthony Beale is, you, Dave's absolutely correct. Uh, you're up against uh, overwhelming forces. They're going to look for every excuse they can uh, to knock you down. Uh, and then they will t- uh, have that patronizing tone 
which is perhaps the most annoying part of the whole thing, uh, where they go, don't you understand the basic rules of this council, even though they themselves just, quote, unquote, violated the rules the day before, two days before. Uh, your, your point's well taken. It's kind of like nominating petitions to run for office. You know, Absolutely. If it's not stapled properly or the yes. pages are out of order. You know? I remember uh, I did a story about this years ago, and you and I talked about it in our old podcast, where um, there was an effort by various uh, aldermen to have a referendum on an elected school board. God, this is years ago. Uh, and Alderman Joe Moore was going to come into his committee, was uh, who was an ally of Mayor uh, Emanuel, uh, remember, he, he said they came in too late. They missed the deadline. Mm-hmm. And then, then the issue was, did they really miss the deadline? Does it really matter? You know, it's like if, if they did miss it, that was a few minutes. The point is, they'll take any excuse they have to uh, bury your legislation. So, yeah, this is this is an interesting one. Uh, whether the city council should have its own parliamentarian again. I'm sure if the mayor were speaking openly about it, she would say too much democracy. I cannot allow them to interrupt important flow of legislation like having one committee oversee all of the casino. So I have even more control than I already have. Although the reality is, as I said before, Dave, you could have it subdivided into 10 separate committees and they would still get the casino because the city really wants this casino. Skepticism again. Yes. That's all I got, Ben. All right. Very good. I'm not skeptical about this. Outstanding job by young Dave Glowatz, as always. Uh, And Dave, uh, anything uh, you want to promote before we let you out the door uh, in Inside Chicago Government? If folks want to hear more uh, audio from the city council meeting on some of the segments we just listened to, you can go to the Inside Chicago Government website version of this interview and it'll be there if you're on facebook you can follow inside chicago government at facebook.com slash inside gov that's g-o-v and on twitter at c-h-i-g-o-v-t and i sincerely want to thank you ben and dennis for all his technical prowess in helping us put all this out today and for as always indulging my obsession your obsession is our obsession, uh, and uh, the pleasure is ours. All right, that's a great Dave Glowatz, Inside Chicago Government. Uh, I'm Ben Jarofsky, and of course, just alluded to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all in Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Dave, Lori Lightfoot, and Raymond Lopez will tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me.